I was thinking this last week about, uh, you know, even Alvin's uh, introduction on, uh, on prayer and how he had to figure out how to define that. It's more than just talking to God. But who is this God that we're talking to? So who is this God that um, we're praying to? And so that was my question this week. Who is this God that we're praying to? And so the Lord led me to invite um, a friend of mine, and I'm going to talk about him a little bit and then have him come up here. A friend of mine that I met, now it's been maybe 15 years ago, uh, about that time. And um, I went to do a funeral service out at Lummi. They asked me to do a service out there. And so when I was at the service doing the funeral, I noticed uh, this uh, um, native man that looked like he was uh, kind of uncomfortable and he was kind of out of place. And I hadn't seen him before. And so it was kind of one of those things where everybody started doing something and he kind of looked around going, okay, what happens next? And I thought, well, that's... So then I was able to sit next to him and uh, find out his story that he was in fact Lummi, but he was adopted out as a baby. And this was like his first time after 50 years being back in the community. And so, um, so I'm looking across the table at him and he's learning about his family after 50 some years. And it was just fascinating. And uh, so he was adopted out and he grew up in Everson. And, uh, and he was raised in the Christian home and so much so that he ended up trusting Christ at a, at a youth um, a youth thing, and he needed to believe in Jesus. And then um, he, they sent him off to Bible school. And after that, he went on the mission field. And, and so I'm looking at him going, wow, how, God took him out. And so what happened then over the years is that God brought him back and plugged him in with his people. And so he's been learning his family since then. And it's just been, it's been a fantastic thing. And we, we went to a, a native uh, men's gathering and so we we're up all night just finding out about each other and so since then uh, Joe is his name and so uh, we've uh, come together to understand um, that God has brought us together to minister to our family and friends at Lummi and so every other week uh, he brings a message and then I bring a message uh, Sunday night and uh, so um, so then um, I told Joe, I said, you know, would you mind coming? And I, I want to introduce you to the people. And, and so, um, Joe, would you come up? I've got a couple of questions for you. And so this is Joe Franzen. So welcome, Joe Franzen. So we appreciate you. Watch out for the cord here, Joe. So what Joe just did there is he's learned the culture out at Lummi, and that is when you come up, you greet the family of the one that's speaking. And so he went down and he greeted. So come in front of the microphone here, Joe. And I'll, yeah, um, so thank you, Joe, for uh, coming and sharing your time with us. His wife is Kelly, and she's not with us today, but maybe one day we'll, you get to meet her too. But Joe, so I told Joe I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And, uh, of course, you can fill us in on your, uh, uh, your life, too. But um, so I said, Joe, I'm going to ask you, um, uh, how did you learn how to pray? Well, that was a strange time in my life. Uh, 
You know those strange times we, that you just don't really hang on to because you're awkward and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it was more about uh, me not knowing how to pray than it was about me learning how to pray. That's for sure. Uh, but I remember my grandmother had this uh, round dining room table, and uh, we lived up in Ever. Well, let's see. I was living in Whatcom County, the Laurel area, and Grandma lived in Everson. Uh, the old-timers that have been here for years that know Everson remember the old Motor Inn. Well, she was, her and Grandpa were the owners of the old Motor Inn mm. up there. And uh, we'd go up there and uh, family gatherings, <clears throat> and we'd sit around this round table, and before we would eat, she would pray in her uh, up, upraised way uh, as a Methodist. And uh, we'd bow our heads and we'd pray and then uh, then we would eat and uh, I'd always have the chair kind of next to her there was a special spot for me it was a little higher chair that was before the booster chair days and I'd sit up there on that chair next to her all proud of the fact that I got to sit next to grandma and uh, I'd listen to her words and then uh, as I grew up and got older I can't remember the first day it was but she says I'm going to ask Joe to pray for our meal today. Whoa. And so out came the words the best that they could. I remember stumbling across the words in a Methodist kind of way and uh, mimicking Grandma the best that I could. And uh, then I'd shut up and sit there and think, what in the world did I just say? Well, those were the beginning days. Uh, and then... Uh, got older, went into junior high and high school, and the prayer thing became more real. And uh, it started becoming more of my words, less of Grandma's words. And uh, uh, I knew it every single time that I was going to get together with a family gathering that it was going to start off with me being asked to pray, <laughs> going off to college and all, and uh, learning from Grandma. Yeah, She saw it in me somehow and wanted me to be that man of prayer. Amen. Amen. It's going to bring tears to my eyes. I don't talk, tell that story too often, but I, I miss her in those times of prayer around the table. Yeah. She's the one that taught me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, we're just getting a piece of his life, and there's everyone here has a story about that that has come to faith in Christ about learning to pray, and I'm sure that resonates with them too, learning to pray. So um, through the years that I've known Joe, um, we've been realizing that if we're going to go anywhere with any ministry, that it's got to be prayer. And so um, uh, your grandma was a huge instrument in, in helping you to follow after Christ. And that's what you said as, as we talked. But um, this one wasn't on the script, so I ho- hope you're okay with this one, Joe. But okay. <laughs> so before this book came out... Um, we had been doing, um, for years, Joe and I have been doing a men's study on Wednesday night out at Lummi. And, um, but this last year, we scrapped it and we said, we just need to go to prayer. We, you know, let's just, let's just start praying. And so we've been meeting out at, at Vinny's um, chapel there uh, out at his place. And we've, we've been spending... Um, almost an hour of just praise. And you know, praise pushbacks the darkness, right? It's just been a cool time. But also the Lord's been leading in you into something else um, other than us praying on Wednesday. So could you just share a little bit there how the Lord's been leading you in prayer and us together? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, uh, you know, prayer from uh, a young man coming up and then going off to college. Uh, I remember sitting in the uh, dorm, and uh, there was a, uh, another boy there that uh, was in the college dorm, and somehow it came to a point where he is pouring out his heart to me, and I thought, well, do you mind if I pray with you about this? And so I just sat in his room on his chair or on his bedside there and just started praying and uh, prayed the best that I could, and it got a little bit long. Uh, yeah, boy, I tell you what, we don't want to start praying now, do we, brother? Yeah, Because no. it would be a little yeah. bit on the long it side. It might be good. But, uh, but... I just prayed and prayed and prayed, you know, for this young man and, uh, and started talking to the Lord. And next thing I know, he's praying too. And... Uh, it was interesting. We prayed so long that one of his friends came because you drop in in different dorm rooms and say hi to each other, and uh, a friend of his came in and inter interrupted or intruded upon our prayer time, and so uh, we invited him to come in, and so he stayed as awkward as it was. He didn't know what he walked in on, but uh, then next thing I know, this man here, this boy, uh, decided to pray too. And so we all agreed at the end of that time that we would have a prayer time on a regular basis, and so we started praying. And uh, next thing we knew, the uh, uh, word got out, and uh, we had this other little lounge area where we could go and pray, and we started to fill up that room there. So I remember uh, how important prayer was, and during that time, prayer was really, really uh, something that was kind of unknown to me. You know, I mean, I was coming out of the, the, the young age. I wanted to stand up here with you guys, you kids here, with Grandma. I really did, because uh, I want those years back. Uh, they're special to me. Uh, you think of all the different things that we have to pray through right now as adults. Okay, and I've got gray hair, so if I point at you and I call you old, you know that there's four or five fingers pointing back at me, right? So, uh, you know, to have that prayer of a young person again would be just, it would be lovely. It really would, without all the other stuff that uh, comes along with the hurt and pain and all that stuff. Uh, the innocence, and this is what the Lord is teaching us in the Word in the New Testament, to, to pray like to have that childlike faith. But uh, as I got older, uh, I was just thinking of my prayer life there, and I remember at that time, too, there was a specific time that the Lord hangs on that's special. Uh, I was up here out at Lummi, uh, and I was a fisherman, and uh, I had this little skiff, and a couple of my friends from Everson wanted to go fishing. I said, well, I'll take you fishing. So we got their fishing rods and their tackle and everything. We loaded up in my little skiff, and we went on down to the south end of Lummi Island. We were fishing there, and then we started heading back later in the day, and uh, fog set in. And uh, I knew how to find my way up Lummi because Lummi's a long, narrow island, and I could just follow the shoreline up, but then I had to make it all the way over to Sandy Point and cut across the bay. And uh, uncle had taught me, well, if you ever get into a spot where you're like that, you just take your sandwiches or your loaf of bread and you just toss that out the back of the boat as you're motoring along. And as long as you can keep that in a straight line, you'll head straight and you won't veer off your course. You can just drive right through the fog. He says, always remember that if you get stuck in a fog. Well, sure enough, that old S started showing up back there. And I turned. I was like, whoa, it's turning, so I better compensate back and... Next thing I know, I thought, oh, no, now I'm going too far the other way. And so then I start turning back the other way. And then the S got bigger and bigger. Next thing I know, I didn't even really know if I was going in a straight line or not. And my friends are with me in my boat, and we're out there in the middle of uh, B-52. 
between uh, Lummi Island and all. So we cut off the motor, and I said, okay, guys. I said, the only thing I know what to do now, since my uncle's teachings didn't help, is, uh, <laughs> to, is to pray, right? And uh, so I said, here's what I'd like us to do. I was like, I'd, I'd like us, I said, I don't know if you're a praying man or not, but I said, I'd like each one of us to take turns praying. And uh, then after we're done praying, I don't want to talk. I just want it to be quiet for a good, uh, at least a good 60 seconds after we're done praying. Let's just stand here together. So sure enough, we took time praying, and I was hearing these guys pray. And if you're like me, do you remember that awkward time that I told you about it was like for me to try to get those Methodist words out of my mouth in that prayer fashion kind of way? And they weren't my words. They were my grandma's words. And I didn't really know how to pray. I was just putting words out there. Well... I felt a little bit of that again with those guys. And as they were praying, we took turns. And, and then afterwards, we stopped after the last amen. And we stopped and we just stood there. And out of the silence, a dog started barking. <laughs> I said, there's our answer. So we headed off to the dog because we knew that the dog wasn't way out there in the waters near Canada. <laughs> so, you know, uh, God answers prayer. Amen. God answers prayer. Who's the ones that we're saying that this morning here? I thank you for speaking up and sharing your prayer and praise requests, because this is it. This is God, right? Mm -hmm. This is our God. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope one day that uh, Alvin adds on to his uh, definition that uh, he might find a way to where uh, that awkward you is in that definition of prayer. Because, uh, yeah, we have God, we have that special relationship, we have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And if you turn to uh, John chapter 17, you find you in there, in that relationship. Amen. You're important. That's right. You are all are important. And God knows it. Yeah. And so you're part of that prayer. Amen. You're praying to yourself, you see. And so, uh, yes. finally, the Lord... Uh, Fast forward all those years when I found my way back to my family out here at Lemmy. Um, I said, okay, Lord, it's interesting how you pulled me out of Lemmy, and now all of a sudden you want me to be this man of prayer, and now you're taking me back out to Lemmy and putting, putting me back out there. And so uh, uh, this year, just towards the end of uh, 2022, I went ahead and submitted uh, a request with the uh, IRS that I get tax exemption for uh, a ministry that I want to launch that's called uh, Praying Eagles. And uh, so you'll be praying about that because I want to start a house of prayer out at Lummi. And so this is what uh, Brother Steve is asking. And uh, really, uh, we can talk about all this, and you can read these definitions and all, but the, the, the real thing is, is that if we're going to have prayer revival, where is it going to start? Well, maybe it'll start out at Lemmy. Well, maybe it'll start out here in front of maybe this church, maybe right here, maybe in this room it'll break out. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, wouldn't it be awesome? But you really want to know where I really want it to start? It's right here. Yeah. I want it to start with me. I desperately need revival. And I hope that you'll share with me in that prayer. Yeah, let's pray. Yeah. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my brother coming and sharing his heart. And Lord, it's really your heart. And when we line up our thoughts with your thoughts, it's you coming through. And so we bless your name and we thank you. And we do pray for this house of prayer that really is, has begun with us 
at Vinny's place. Yeah, that's right. And wherever you're going with that, Lord, that people would come all over and receive your grace and mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, thank, thank you, brother. You, brother. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So in the minutes we have left, answering that question, who is this God that we pray to? So just looking up the definition like we all do, what does it it say in Webster's? God. Um, I don't see John here right now, but he spent years um, with the first responders. And I remember him sharing with me, he says, when people are in trouble, whether they're believers or not, This is what they'll say. Oh, God, help me. Whether they're believers or not, they know there is a God. There's no place else. So who is this God that they're calling out to? That somewhere inside of them, because they've been created in the image of God, it's there hidden uh, under all that... um, suppression that of the truth all that stuff that's in Romans chapter 1 that they've pushed down it just comes out oh god help me so who is this god well the definition will say that he's a he's a strong one that's the simplest definition strong one it'll go on to say he's deity meaning that he's supernatural but it goes on to say this supernatural being can exert force over creation. Okay, so this is a being that's, that really can change anything that we see, touch, or feel. He can change it. Oh, God, he can change it. But what, is, what does the Bible say about this God? Well, the Bible says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created So this God that you pray to is not just a mighty supernatural being. It's he's the one true God that created everything that you know, visible and invisible. He created it all. That's who you pray to. So in Genesis 1, it talks about, it says God created this and he was pleased and God did all these things. And then not too far along, there's another name that comes with it in chapter two in Genesis. It says, and the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life and man became a living being. But it said the Lord God. So now who is this that you pray to? It's more than God. Then this, this word or this title gives us a greater depth. The Lord God. So this, this Lord is in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh. This is the proper name for God Almighty, creator of, of the universe, God Almighty. Um, the Latinized version is Yahweh, uh, Jehovah, Jehovah, right? So Yahweh is Hebrew, and then Latinized is, is uh, Jehovah. So this is, and in that, the definition is the existing one. He wasn't created He was always there, the self-existing one. This is the God that you pray to. The creator of all that, he created everything. No one created him. He is the eternal one, the self-existing one. So this 
this amazing eternal God that created the universe and everything in it loves his creation. And so we find out that he speaks then, this God, this Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, he speaks to his creation. And he speaks to his creation and he gives them everything that they could have for life and abundance, everything. But he wants to know their love back to him. And he says, you can do whatever you want in a way in my, have it eat from wherever you want to eat except for one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And the man, the woman chose poorly and sin entered the world. There was temptation, but they chose not the best. So Father, in Jesus' name right now, somebody's in trouble. You know who they are. And so, Father, we just ask in Jesus' name because we are um, a praying people. We ask, Lord, that in this hurt that they would reach out to you and be saved. And so, Father, whether that was a false alarm or not, you know all the details and the people that are right there and you know the responders and who's saved and not saved. And we just ask for your Holy Spirit to do what you do and that's to draw all people to yourself. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man. So, chose poorly, and as um, sin always leads to destruction, it leads away from this God that has everything for us, this, this God of love that created the universe. And so, um, even in the first family, uh, Cain kills Abel. Even right out the gate, it always leads to destruction. So then in chapters, is it five uh, or six, it says that it got so bad, this living life without God. It says in chapter six of Genesis, verse five, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent and thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God loved his creation so much he wouldn't allow it to be completely destroyed and so he spoke to Noah and he said, here's what I want you to do. You're going to provide a way, a boat. So he spoke to Noah. So this God of all creation spoke. Advance in history. Then we get the name Abram, that God spoke to Abram. And he said, I want you to leave here. So God of all creation, this Lord that loves, spoke to Abram, and he had a plan for reversing the curse that happened in the garden. And in chapter 12 of Genesis, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from the family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God's plan, he spoke to 
Abram. He spoke to Noah. He spoke to Abram. This God, somehow they knew that he was speaking to them. Did they hear him? Did It just said the Lord spoke to them, and they responded. They responded to God talking to them. They knew that God was talking to them. God Almighty, creator of the universe, was talking to them. Advance as they go along, and, and so Noah uh, comes out, and they, um, they worship the Lord, and, and then they get into trouble, and, and then God uh, tells Abraham to leave, and then, and then they head down to Egypt, so I'm just advancing, and they get in trouble. They get stuck in Egypt for 400 years, um, turning away from God, trusting their own way, and then God, in his love, speaks again. And he speaks to Moses. And listen to what happens here. He speaks to Moses. And he says, I've seen, so we're now in Exodus chapter 3. I've seen my people and they're crying out for help. And I've come down to save them. And then he says, so I'm sending you. I love that. (laughs) I've come down, but I'm sending you. Now, This is the first time in scripture that I hear uh, resistance to God um, talking to him. And just just, just so so you know, Dave's okay. He's just resting. So he's pulled up a seat there. So, yeah. He wanted to be here today. He said, I'm not very strong, but I said, come and so Dave's just resting here. So Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for Dave being here, and we just pray a blessing and healing and strength for him. And he said, I want to be a part of this. I know that God's going to do a thing. I can sense it this morning that God wants to raise us to another level of intimacy with him. So Father, please bless Dave as he rests here with us. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I'm thankful he's comfortable enough just to sleep on me while I'm preaching. So that's, that's a good thing. So anybody else want to take a nap? Now's the time. I'll wake you up at 12 when it's... But he's listening. So um, so the first thing that Moses says is, Who, me? This is the first time I see this conversation with this God Almighty. Who, me? And so he has all these excuses of why God should choose somebody else. And God says, I will be with you. So one of the first things he says is, who will I say uh, sent me? And so God says something. He says, I am. Tell them that I am sent you. Now this I am means again, Yahweh. This I am again means Lord. This I am means self-existing one. Tell them that's who sent you. (laughs) If you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you know in your heart, wherever you walk, that God has sent you. He has handpicked you, and he has sent you into that situation to bring peace, love, joy, to help people to find God, to settle the dust, settle the anxiety in people's lives because you have the Spirit of God in you. So you too have been sent, and Scrap those excuses about, yeah, but I was raised this way and that way, and it is what it is. Fooey on that. (laughs) You've been created a new creature in Christ. No more excuses. So he gives these excuses, but God is saying, I will send you. So God 
God is intimately involved in his creation. And we see this relationship with Moses. And so much so, it says in the Bible that Moses speaks to God like one speaks to a friend. That's what he wants for you and for me. And this is the first recording that we see this kind of interaction where he's talking to God and he even tries to advise God. And he says, well, no, God, if you do that, it's going to look bad. <laughs> and some of you know what I'm talking about. What are you doing, Moses? But he, there was this relationship with Moses and God Almighty. He didn't see him, but he heard him clearly. That's what he wants for you and for me. That kind of relationship. And so God Almighty is intimately involved in his creation. He was speaking to Moses so much so that one day Moses felt he was this close to God. He says, you know, I can't see you. I want to see you. And to me, God kind of chuckles, goes, if you see my face, you're going <laughs> to... You're going to burn up. Nobody sees my face and lives. But that day, he got a glimpse of God's glory. That day. And God made it clear who he is. He said, the Lord, the Lord, merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, forgiving their iniquity, transgression and sin, but not leaving the guilty unpunished. So, justice and mercy. God spelled out who he was louder than Moses could ever hear. That was so loud for Moses. So this relationship. So I want to advance on through time and head towards the New Testament. But over and over again, God would speak to certain people and they would respond in the helping of God's people to follow him. And so there was this ebb and flow of God's people turning the wrong way and he would send someone. And and so we get this recording of of David. You remember David when he was keeping the sheep and and the, the lambs out there that the spirit of God was upon him. And when a lion came to attack the, he went over there with his bare hands and he killed the, the lion and he took the lamb out of its mouth. It's like, what little teenage boy does that? The spirit of God was upon him. He did that to the bear too. So when it came, came time for Goliath, it's like, wait a minute. Let's see, I killed a lion and a bear. What's this, what's this giant? So he took him out. The spirit of God was upon him, amen? This God was intimately involved, rearranging his creation so that he would get the glory. And so his spirit went into David and David would lead his people with all of his faults. And we know those, but God would choose sinners like you and me to do amazing things. This God, who is this God that we pray to, but this one that created all things, but he's intimately involved in the lives of people in your life and my life. He knows what you're thinking right now and he wants you to have the very best of life and that's him. A closer time with him, a closer walk with him. So as we go through, there's a prophecy of one coming that is the Messiah, the Christ of God, the Son of God. He is coming intimately into his creation so you could touch and feel him. After all, Moses' prayer was answered. After all, the Son of God would come and they would be able to see him and they would touch him and feel him. 
Isn't that, isn't that the coolest thing to think this God, he, the incarnation, this God of all creation made a way for himself to come into the earth by the virgin birth of Mary. And there he was doing, he was in human flesh, uh, healing people. He was recreating what he had created that went, went bad and he'd recreate them and give them life. And he'd even spit on his, his creation in mud and he'd put on this one guy's eye and he'd reform his eyes. And the guy, here's God himself, the mighty one, recreating his creation where it's gone bad. Is that amazing that this God we pray to? So here is Jesus the one we call Jesus. And Jesus said something that brought us in, would bring us into a more intimate um, time um, relationship with God. Jesus said, call him father. Call him father. Call him father, not not Yahweh, not Jehovah, I'm praying Jehovah. But he said, Say, Father. What's so, that's something so intimate. Call him Father. So, um, in our lives, what is Father? Well, he's, he's Dad. He's, he's the, uh, you know, out of the parent, he's the male out of Mom and Dad. And that's where we came from, you know, Mom and Dad. Um, and, and Dad, he's the Father. I started thinking about something. And so I looked up a couple of things here. And, and listen to this if it doesn't ring true with you about fathers. The importance of a father being uh, involved in his kids' life. Listen to what this says. It says, um, uh, fathers offer developmentally specific provisions for their children and they themselves are also impacted by them doing so. The well-being of a child means that the father is involved in his life and intimately involved in the, the raising of the children. And this, this article said that when a father is doing that, he himself is being changed, <laughs> Doing it brings, brings uh, so he, here's some examples that a father that is intimately involved in the well-being of their children. Listen, um, when he does this, it reduces behavior and psychological problems in children. It increases the child's social stability, educational achievements, and has the potential to, this child then has the potential of having a solid marriage and family. The dad is so important that his involvement in his children brings them uh, stability, brings them uh, motivation to do what's right, brings them comfort to know that they're taken care of. So as I was thinking about this God that we pray to that is intimately involved in his creation, saving them, helping them, rebuild them, putting them back together, that the best dads in the world, and and no matter what, no matter how many dads here think they're bad, we've all messed up, you know, but God takes what we have 
And he works with us. And the most powerful thing that you can do from this day forward is to pray for your children. That's your position as the warrior, father, dad. If you can't be with your child to give them that encouragement, that every day you're providing a covering over them because that's your job. That you, that's how you can be intimately involved. And when they share some things with you, um, you will pray those details that they, they've given you that place to be able to do that. And you know, those of us with adult children, it's like, we don't get to be in their lives like we used to, you know, but when we do, that we can be a part of that by praying. So I just took that side road to say, none of us have achieved 100%, but God is demonstrating his love as the ultimate father. And Jesus said, call him father because he loves you and because he's intimately involved in every detail of your life. And he wants the best for you, not just... Oh, well, sort of. He wants the very best for you. So this God. So what was coming to my mind were three words. He's the stabilizer. Oh, thank you, Lord. He's the motivator. And, and he's the comforter. Those three words started coming to me as I was going through this this week, is that God Almighty provides my life to be stable with all the stuff that's going on. And he also provides the motivation to do what I need to be doing. And he provides that comfort. Amen. This God that so loves you, Jesus said, call him father. Now here's the amazing thing about any teaching that we could ever do. And you know this already. Any teaching that we could ever do is that our actions back up what we're saying. Because when they don't, it's not that solid teaching. It's because that's what each one of us look for. Whenever we sit, sit under a teacher, we're looking, does he do it? Is he doing what he's saying? And so this thing, and I want you to look, um, one of the places it says, uh, and I'll, here's another scripture I want you to look up um, later. I want you to look this up later because I'm just going to refer to it. But it says, be imitators of God as his beloved children. So how do we become, go to the gospel of John chapter one. How do we become God's children? Well, we know this and sometimes we refer to all, all of God's people that were ever created are God's children, but that's not necessarily true. We've all been created in his image but in John chapter 1, it settles the dust who are children of God. In John chapter 1, it says in verse 12, John chapter 1, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, but as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So there's a difference. We're all created in his image. We all have that vacancy that only God can fill. But those who received and believed that Jesus Christ came, the son of God, son of man, came and loved us to himself by dying on the cross and rising again the third day. If you've believed that, you're a child of God. That's how you can call God your father. 
because you've believed in the message of love through Jesus Christ. And then you have this intimate relationship with God the Father. So he says, be imitators then of your Father. Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And I want you to see something here. And it's another one of those places that just, Jesus calls it right out. And there's, there's no other way to div- divide it, but he calls it true. In John chapter 8, he's having this conversation with the religious leaders. And he uses the term father. In verse 37, John chapter 8, verse 37, watch this conversation here. It says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. Here's Jesus talking. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I've seen with, seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Hmm. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Who are you imitating? It's coming to my mind. Who are you following up? They said to him, we were, born, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and come from my God nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. We're in verse 44 now of John chapter 8. You are of your father, the devil. What? And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of, your, which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, You do not hear because you are not of God. Wow. Our actions speak of who our Father is. Listen to the rest of this here. This will pull it together. In verse 48, the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. And the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, 
If I honor myself and my honor is nothing, it is my Father who honors me, of whom you said that he is your God. Yet you do not know him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Verse 57, the Jews said to him, You are not 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus just declared that he's the self-existing one, that he is Yahweh, that he is God. He came in the flesh that God came, Son of God, Son of Man, came in flesh, that he came to be intimately involved with his creation. He declared that he was God right there. Jesus. Jesus. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house. Verse 2. Are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, We do not know the way you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus said, have I been with you so long? And yet, you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Who is this God that we we pray to? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one? Who is this God that we pray to, the God that loved us so much that he, he became the Son of God? The Son of God came down and we, we touched him and we, we got to hear and we got to see. Jesus would say, the only things that I do, I, I do because I see the Father doing. This God that we pray to loves us so much that he provided a way for us. He will go on to say that I will give you the Holy Spirit to live this life, 
that wherever you are, the Holy Spirit is with you. Verse 16, it says, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. This God that created all things is so far above us, but also so near to us that he's displayed how much he loves us by providing a way to know him through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's the stabilizer. He's the motivator. He's the comforter. Who is this God that we pray to? Who is this God? Bottom line, this God is the one that created everything and he loves you. That's the one, the one true God that made a way for us to have a relationship with him forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing love that you displayed a love that um, is beyond reason, forgiveness through simply believing in Jesus and then the power to do what you've designed us to do from the beginning. We thank you, Lord God. Lord, we thank you that um, you've set us up to enjoy you and to be a family together, to follow you and to help each other together. Lord, we thank you that at this time that you've brought us to this place of of 40 days of spiritual revival, that we've come to this place in our journey with you that we desire to see you. We desire a glimpse of your glory, your power, your grace and your mercy for lives being transformed. Lord, we we look to you at this time in our lives and we beg you, Lord God, to meet us in a special way that we would never be the same. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you've provided a way for us through this amazing gift of belief. To be able to even believe that is your spirit working in us. So Lord, we pray this awakening for those that haven't believed sincerely and with their heart. We pray that this would be the day that they would believe and turn to you. Repent of the world and turn to you. We thank you, Lord God. May you have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen.